and welcome to Electric Sheep, the knitting podcast from Hoxton Handmade. Episode 2, Knit and Be Damned. Hello and thank you for tuning in and thank you to those of you who listened to the first episode last week, our beta testers as it were. Your feedback has been really helpful. I've managed to upgrade some of my technical equipment so hopefully the sound quality will have improved a little. This week we're going to be looking at knitting in public. Do you do it? Where do you do it? Are you afraid to do it? Do people question your knitting? Do you feel you have to justify it? Or do you enjoy telling people about it? Perhaps you like to knit in people's faces. As ever, we'll also be looking at knitting online and some new patterns which have recently arrived on the net and uh, which I'm quite excited about. Plus, we'll be exploring the internet as a knitter's tool with a guided tour of some of the best places for instructions, tips and insider knowledge. There'll also be a fair amount of silliness as we celebrate the world of extreme sheep herding. So sit back, relax, get out your knitting and round up your electric sheep. The company I work for has a page on its website with a short biography for each member of staff. When I first joined and was composing my entry, I was encouraged to add a couple of personal details. So as well as listing my professional background, there's a line at the end to say that outside the office, I'm an avid knitter. A fairly innocuous comment, no different to saying you enjoy snowboarding or that you DJ at the weekends. Or so I thought. Recently, I remortgaged my flat. A perfectly pleasant financial advisor was sorting it all out for me, and as I completed the paperwork, signing away my hard-earned cash and reflecting that I now had even less money for yarn, he mentioned that he had looked up my work address on the office website and had seen the bio. He might as well have read that I hunted pixies every full moon, or that I was inventing a pair of exploding trousers in the garden shed at the weekends, or that I spent my spare time jousting in a medieval reenactment society. The man clearly thought I was certifiable. Luckily, he didn't seem to think this affected my financial eligibility obviously having no idea how expensive yarn can be. But yet again, I found myself justifying the fact that I knit. For some reason, I felt I had to defend myself, to explain that it's not just for grannies on the Shreddies commercial, you know, that it's a social activity and fun and creative and not some weird, sad, archaic pastime for Fruit Loops with no mates. Which annoyed me. It annoyed me that he thought it was so bizarre, and it annoyed me that I felt I had to explain myself. I'm free to do what I like, and besides, I'm sure he didn't really care that much about it anyway. 
and he knew nothing about it, so it was hardly in a position to judge. I'm an adult and should have the courage of my convictions. But most of us are affected by people's reactions and comments. We're social creatures, and we want to feel accepted. And we don't want to be made to feel that the things we care about are strange or unworthy. I found myself with the urge to log onto the website as soon as I got back to the office and remove the offending information as quickly as possible. It felt as though someone had posted a private photograph on Facebook, as though something personal had been laid out for the world to see. Which, of course, is simply one of the perils of using online sites or posting anything about yourself anywhere. It's a public arena. What did I expect? You'll be pleased to hear that common sense was good enough to make a brief appearance at this juncture. I'm not ashamed of my knitting. In fact, I'm rather proud of it. It's not generally something I'm at pains to conceal, but it is incredibly tedious and frustrating for it to be held up as some sort of evidence that you are at best eccentric and at worst mentally deranged. And I've realised that, as with so many of society's ills, education is the only repost. I often knit in public, largely on the tube, as it's the perfect way to relieve the monotony of a long journey. And I confess, I take a certain delight in freaking out unsuspecting members of the general public. To start with, I felt incredibly self-conscious and could sense people staring at me as I quietly withdrew my knitting from my bag. But I soon realised that no one really cared and that any reactions I got were largely positive. I noticed that often someone, nearly always a man, will stare at my hands, following my movements, desperately trying to work out exactly how the whole thing works. Others, nearly always a woman, will ask me what I'm knitting or tell me that they think it looks great, which is always nice to hear. I've even had a fellow knitter offer me advice when a Scandinavian woman showed me how to knit continental style. I tried to explain to her that knitting with the yarn in my left hand was too confusing for my simple brain, but since my understanding of Swedish is limited to the Muppet chef, I'm not sure I made myself understood. The reason that people have puzzled reactions to my chosen pastime is often the simple fact that they have never heard of anyone my age knitting. So doing it in public is an easy way to raise a little awareness, to let people see that we are out there, in numbers that should not be scoffed at. I remember a furious blog from the yarn harlot, who was incredulous at the fate of a sock club she was a member of. It was an online club, people signed up, paid their money, and were then happy recipients of new sock patterns and yarn each month. However, the knitters running the club suddenly found their accounts frozen, as the bank simply did not believe that there could be enough people out there subscribing for socks to account for the club's healthy bank balance. They had no clue as to the number of knitters out there, nor the expense that they were prepared to go to for the sake of good sock patterns and yarn. The whole mess took weeks to sort out before the bank accepted the only thing they were laundering was socks. But we are many. There are hundreds of thousands of us on Ravelry. There are knitting groups all over the country with anything from three to 300 members. And perhaps making ourselves more visible now and again will help to make others aware of this. Knitters are everywhere. And we're armed with pointy sticks, so play nice.
as promised, uh, a quick look online at some of the new patterns that have recently come up. Um, I've been looking at Nitty. I don't know how long the spring issue has been up, but I've only just spotted it. So I'm sorry if I'm coming to the party a little late. But um, I'm quite excited. I have to say the last couple of issues of Nitty, I haven't really seen anything that I've been desperate to knit or that I thought would would suit me or was the, the, the right kind of thing. So I've, I've sort of looked at it and then, and then moved on. And it's been a while since I made anything from it. Um, so I'm quite happy to look in this time and see a couple of things that are definitely sparking my interest. I'm going to start with the one that I immediately clicked on when I looked on um, online, which is, um, uh, am I saying this right? It's Hanny, um, which uh, I think has been named after Hanny Falkenberg. Um, is it Hanny, Hannah? Um, my pronunciation not quite being up to scratch. But anyway, the point being um, that uh, it's a mitered piece. Um, and essentially, you end up with something that looks a bit like a knitted waistcoat. Again, one of those items where you think, is this really essential to my wardrobe? But we don't really care at this point. It's pretty. I want to make it. Um, it's a bit like Elizabeth Zimmerman's baby surprise jacket. It's a similar sort of construction with the mitered corners. And it's actually really cleverly done. It's knit in two yarns. So you have a, a stripe pattern. Um which in the, the version they've got here actually makes a really nice color combination. It looks great. Um, but you end up with this curious sort of loop of knitting. Um, and uh, like the baby surprise jacket, it's in, it's in garter stitch, um, quite narrow, tight garter stitch with these stripes. Um, and so with the mitered corners and everything, you, as I say, you end up with this, with a closed loop of knitting, as it were, which you then put on in what appears to be a slightly awkward way that the, 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 the um, designer of the pattern says that that's probably the hardest part is actually figuring out how to put it on once you're finished. Um, but you, you basically have one strip of the fabric goes around your neck and then the others cross over your front and then there's a final loop that goes around your lower back and then she has a, uh, a, a wooden pin to fasten it at the side. Um, and as I say, it just makes for quite a fun striped sort of waistcoat effect. In the picture, she just has it over a plain white shirt. And uh, it looks great. I really like it. And I think the construction is is really interesting. I've never tried mitered corners before. Um, and uh, and I think the effect's really pretty. So it's, so it's quite a simple piece. It's not huge, you know, without sleeves or anything. It's not going to take too long to knit. But it's got a really interesting construction that should make it a bit more fun, even though it's in garter stitch should make it a bit more interesting to knit, particularly if you're somebody like me and you haven't tried that kind of construction before. Um, and I think nice for spring as well, you know, layering up a little bit of coziness around your middle, um, but not too heavy. So um, I think that one looks great. So that would be my first option. I also like the fact that it's uh, some of the yarns they're using are things I recognize often with knitty or with American patterns generally. They're using yarn you can't get hold of here, so you have to sort of start substituting before you've even started. Um, also, in this issue, there's quite a lot of socks, which look very pretty, but which I'm not really going to pay much attention to now, as uh, if you've ever read my blog, you'll know that I do not knit socks. I just don't. I don't knit socks. I don't have a cat. I'm sorry if this makes me a traitor to the cause for some people. I have nothing against people who have either of these things, I should point out. I just don't do them. So I'm just going to gloss over the sock patterns. There's also quite a few scarves, sort of lace work pieces, which again look very pretty. Um, not really something 
I tend to do, there's, there's something called shipwreck, um, which is an adaptation of, um, of a, a, a quite established um, uh, lace work scarf pattern, but where they've added beads. And it's enormous. It's beautiful, but it's a huge circular shawl. It's just massive in lace weight yarn and then lots of beading with it. So this would be a labor of love. I can only imagine how long it would take me to attempt something like that. And then I, it's one of those things where I wonder, would I ever really wear it? Um, you know, shawls look so beautiful sometimes, but you just think, you know, unless you just wear it as a scarf, perhaps, or unless you have a sort of evening wear version and you're the type of person who has balls to go to and evening wear dresses to to put on. Um, I'm just never quite sure how I'd, you know, you go to all that effort and then what would I do with it? Um, so I'm not really focusing on the scarves this month either too much, I think. Um, there's a pretty lace weight cardigan, sorry, lacy cardigan called Decimal, um, which has got a similar shape to the February lady sweater. Um, it's, it's a cardigan that is relatively fitted in the body with quite um, a simple vertical lace pattern. Um, and then with, with um, belled sleeves, the sleeves get really very wide down to just below the elbow. And um, so that looks quite pretty. I think it would look terrible on me. It just would not suit my body shape at all. Um, so not, not one for me, I suspect. Um, there are also some very cute um, children's patterns, which are slightly simpler than them. It's quite a lot of um, quite tricky patterns from the way that Nitty categorizes these things. There's quite a few that are labeled piquant, um, which is their version of, um, you know, something that is, is quite tricky. Um, or slightly more advanced. So it is. Uh, there are quite a few complex ones to choose from. Um, but the children's ones, well, one of them is slightly simpler. There's Topaz, which is um, a, a baby's, uh, a girl's sort of tunic dress that's done in stockinette with um, just some fairly simple fair isle at the bottom, just making a border along the edge of the dress. And that's just done in two colours. And it's very cute and, you know, would be very a useful thing to give somebody who who has a child with that you know it's still quite small and uh, I'm not crazy about the colors they've used it's in pale blue and orange and I'm, I'm not entirely sold on it I have to say but I think in maybe a different color scheme I might be one over so that's very sweet if I had a small girl to knit for then um that could definitely be a possibility um the other child's pattern which I love is called steggy and it's uh, a children's cardigan uh, that's done like a stegosaurus. If you had any, you know, that classic thing of six-year-old boys being very into their dinosaurs, um, this would be perfect. It's a bright green raglan cardigan, just done in stockinette, but then all down the sleeves, um, just from the shoulder to wrist, and along the top ridge of the hood um, are little stegosaurus spikes. Um, as I say, the cardigan's green and then the little spikes are done in um, a sort of bluey purple and a red. There's, there's, there's two rows of them going down. And uh, it just looks so cute. You have a little six-year-old boy who is now a dinosaur and looks very happy about it. Um, so I think that would be a really fun pattern for children. It's really nice. And, um, you know, interesting that the construction with the stegosaurus spikes seems a little bit more complex, but looks really, it finishes really nicely. So that looks like a really fun pattern. Um, other great kids ones. Well, there's, there's one that's just very funny, but I'm not sure if I'd actually knit it. It's a baby's hood. And um, 
it's uh, a vintage pattern originally. Um, and as the name suggests, it's just a little hood. It sort of has a little flap that sits around the neck on the shoulders. And then there's a hood that extends a bit like a sort of bonnet, really, um, and then ties under with a, with a ribbon. And it is very sweet and quite vintage looking. I imagine, I suppose it would be nice for a, a christening or something. I'm not sure how entirely practical it is. Um, and the, the, the vintage pattern has been adapted by Franklin Habit, who you may know um, from his Panopticon blog. Or um, he recently published a book called It Itches, um, which is a collection of, of very funny um, knitting cartoons. Um, so he's he, he his, his blog's very entertaining, actually. So he's he's a fun person to read anyway. Um, but uh, yes, it seems adapting a vintage pattern seems to have been a slightly stressful experience. But but the wonderful thing about this pattern, actually, that's worth a look, is, uh, the photographs that come with it, because it's being modelled by the grumpiest looking baby you have ever seen. Whoever this child is, they are not happy. And there's a fabulous shot of them just scowling at the camera for all they're worth. I mean, just looking utterly contemptuous of whoever has put them in this ridiculous garment. It's fantastic. Um, it reminds me, actually, I was once sent um, a birthday card which you probably have seen, um, it's, a, it's a classic. It's, it's an old black and white photo of a toddler who is kitted head to foot in the ugliest knitted jumpsuit with a knitted poncho over the top and a knitted bobble hat. So this poor sort of 18-month, two-year-old is just head to toe in ugly knitting. And there's a little caption underneath that says, life would be so much easier if my mother would stop knitting me things. Um, so, yes, this scowling baby does rather make me think of that. Uh, but uh, but it is a sweet pattern, as I say. I think if you had a christening or some sort of special occasion for a baby, it would be very nice. Um, but probably my favourite thing on here this this month is um, or, or this issue is called Flock. Um, and it's a really sweet idea. It's a mobile to hang above a baby's crib, which you put in a nursery or something. And it's really sweet. It's, it's birds flying. So the arms of the mobile are twigs um, with little leaves at either end. And then suspended from the twigs are four knitted birds, which in this case are quite brightly coloured and their bodies are striped. And, um, and it's so sweet. And you just think, oh, well, you know, really lovely gift to give to somebody. And of course, you could adapt the the, the, the pattern or the colours, you know, as as the um, designer Meg Bakewell points out, that you could you could do it to match the decor of the nursery if you were feeling particularly Martha Stewart about the whole thing. Um, in this case, as I say, that the birds are striped and done mostly in primary colours, and then the twigs are brown with green leaves. But as she says, it would be quite sweet. You could do sort of more of a, a birch theme and do some white twigs and some pastel birds. You know, you could adapt it according to um, to what you fancy or scrap yarn you have lying around. Um, but the finished the finished piece does look really very pretty, and it's it's so sweet. I, c I can imagine it, you know anybody who got that as a gift, I think, would be really quite thrilled. Um, so I think that's pretty much those are, those are my 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 standout pieces for me. Um, from this particular issue. Um, but Nitty, as ever, is always worth a look. They, you know, they have some great designers and they always have such a mixture of things on there that you can nearly always find something that appeals. And um, yeah, I think definitely, I wish I had somebody to make the birds for 
but we shall see one to bear in mind if uh, if, if uh, babies should be coming into your family anytime soon. And uh, I think Flock could be very popular. Next up, I wanted to look at resources that are available online that can be indispensable if you are completely confused about a particular technique or reading a pattern or how you're meant to do something or if there's a pattern you really want to make but it's got a technique you've just never heard of, never come across or a pattern book's not explaining it very well. Um, there's all sorts of things online that I found to be incredibly useful. I'm sure some of them you, you've come across already. Um, but for those of you who maybe haven't found them yet, they are incredibly useful. Um, the one I'm going to go straight to first, just because I am in awe of this woman. I think she's she's amazing. Um, is the tech knitting blog, um, and as the the sort of log line says, it's um, it's all about techniques to turn homemade knitting into handmade knitting, and it's really about refining some of the techniques. Um, and explaining very clearly there's fantastic graphics she does with it you know really clear diagrams of showing the difference between the regular or the easy or the sort of compromise way of doing something and how that's okay but here's another way that will just make it look so much better and I think particularly if you're quite fastidious if you're a bit of a perfectionist or if you're maybe knitting gifts and you you know you really want a piece to look good it's got some great great techniques you can use and also I think there's something to be said for the fact that if you you know you go to all that trouble you spend all that time knitting something particularly if it's a sweater or something um, and then the finishing can kill it at the end if you're not careful whether it's how you sew it up or how you bind off or do buttonholes or do button bands um, or edging you know all these um, elements can make a huge difference to what the finished piece actually looks like in the end and if you're going to go to all that trouble of, of making something by hand um, I think there's something to be said for, for finishing it so it you know it really does look its best at the end um, I found this was was indispensable when I was doing um, I was grafting garter stitch for, for Isolde's garter stitch mittens and um, you know, kitchen stitch or grafting, I sort of understood and I had some, you know, fairly simple, clear instructions from one of my knitting books. But that was for stockinette. And of course, it's different if you're doing it in garter stitch and there's various different ways of doing it. And her explanation was just very helpful. And, you know, you could see the difference between the ways of doing it and there were very clear diagrams and it saved my life. So, um, it's a great one to look at. And as I say, very, um, you know, as the name suggests, it is technical. It is very precise. And, um, you know, if you're a bit more of a carefree knitter, it may not be entirely for you. But um, it, it, it's been going for a long time. And so it's got a really extensive index. Um, she's covered an awful lot of topics. Um, and uh, so well worth a look if, if, if you're, you're looking for really very precise detail on you know small techniques whether it's you know as I say bind offs increases knitting into the stitch below provisional cast ons there's all kinds of things there so very very useful um if diagrams aren't really helping you you know if the picture is not enough and you still can't work out what they're doing then I'm sure you've you've come across videos that people have posted both on um knitting about 
um, which is quite has quite good links to a lot of knitting information, but also has various videos or links to YouTube or YouTube itself. When I was doing a provisional cast on for something, I had printed instructions with diagrams and I could not make head nor tail of it. I tried so many times, I was losing my mind and it was just going horribly, horribly wrong. I think, again, this was with the garter stitch mittens to start them off with, you know, long before you get to the joys of the Kitchener stitch. But the, the provisional cast on at the beginning, I could not, I just didn't understand how this was possibly meant to work. So by going to YouTube, I found a, a saintly woman who had gone to the trouble of videoing her doing it, you know, and it's all in close up and you, she does it very slowly and it's, you know, there, there are in explanations, instructions as she goes along and it was a total lifesaver. So I recommend videos because sometimes a diagram isn't enough. You need to actually see how this person is, is doing it, be able to watch their hands and it is incredibly useful. Um, I found myself in a very funny position earlier this week where we're back to Twitter where um, a fellow knitter had posted that they had tried um, to do magic loop knitting the previous evening and had been totally confused. You know, they had some instructions or they had a YouTube video and it wasn't really making it. They didn't get it. Um, and uh, I think if you, you know, often people have a particular favorite, either you like double pointed needles or you like magic loop. Um, and some people hate one or the other. But trying to then explain magic loop to somebody via Twitter was one of the more challenging things I've come across. Um, as I mentioned last week, the fact that Twitter only allows you, what is it, I think 140, 150 characters per tweet. Um, I think I spread mine out over maybe two or three. Um, but it was, it was slightly insane. And you realize how difficult it can be to explain knitting techniques sometimes, but particularly if you have no visual aids. Um, and it reminded me once when I was much younger, when I was, I was quite small, about 10, we had an exercise in my English class where each of us had to write down instructions of how to change a duvet cover and, uh, you know, how to put one on, which sounds incredibly basic. Um, but when it came to writing down just written instructions, and we thought we, we were being perfectly clear, we all wrote down things, but then you had to get a friend, you had to read out your instructions and have a friend try to follow them you know we didn't obviously we didn't have a duvet in the class but to sort of mime trying to follow you know thinking through how would this actually go and of course all of us failed miserably our instructions didn't make any sense if you had never seen a duvet in your life and you had no idea what to do with it um you would have been totally stuffed with our instructions they were rubbish so trying to do it on twitter was was curious and i'm, I'm not entirely sure that i didn't just confuse her even more and it was also just really difficult trying to remember well how do i do it and how to explain what you're doing it and you're on circular needles so I had to sort of do right needle and left needle in inverted commas because of course they're interchangeable it was all quite confusing so it gave me even more respect for people who can give knitting instructions clearly and um, in, in a way that is useful to other knitters and, and, and able to follow um, but I think that combination of either very knowledgeable knitters giving very precise instructions and being very clear is, is fantastic. And then ha just having somebody show you physically on a video or whatever um, exactly how it's done that can save you just hours of, um, you know, distraught wailing at the wall. So um, I highly recommend making use of... Um, it's extraordinary. How, you know, people have posted up um, instructions or help or tips for everything you can possibly think of. So next time you find yourself slightly stuck in a jam... 
um, I highly recommend doing a quick Google and seeing what's out there because um, it will save you a lot of heartache. I'm sure you haven't forgotten that uh, I mentioned extreme sheep herding in my introduction um, and you've been probably been wondering what on earth I'm talking about. Um, but I promised you extreme sheep herding and extreme sheep herding you shall have. Um, naturally, of course, this is something that has cropped up on YouTube, um, home of all things bizarre. Um, and showing that people will do anything if you give them a video camera. So uh, as, as a final bit of, of silliness to, um, to round things off, um, I'll put the link into the blog and, and things. So don't worry too much about how you'll track it down. Um, it probably won't come as any surprise to you to discover that this uh, video has come from a group of Welshmen, some, some Welsh sheep farmers, uh, it appears, given that half my family is Welsh, my, my father's family is Welsh. Um, uh, it's no surprise to me at all that, of course, this is where this crazy idea has come from. Um, and it, it seems they've gone to an awful lot of effort. Um, it's a combination of uh, a very fun, silly idea and a certain amount of, of um, tongue-in-cheek um, sort of cheating as well. Um, I think when you watch it, you'll see it. not all of it is real. It couldn't possibly be. But it's been combined with real footage. So it's just a really fun idea. Essentially, these guys, um, uh, as the uh, summary on YouTube says, we took to the hills of Wales, armed to the teeth with sheep, LEDs, and a camera to create a huge, amazing LED display. So what you have are hundreds of sheep who each, each of them have um, a sort of netting cover over their backs of LED lights, which don't seem to trouble them too much. Um, and uh, th they're all being herded onto the hillside and filmed in a variety of um, uh, sort of shapes and things. You know, they're being grouped together to form certain shapes or to do certain silly things. Um, obviously, when they're filming that part, when they're all together, um, is the bit that they've obviously fudged slightly because you just couldn't get sheep to move that quickly that precisely even with the best sheep dogs in the world surely even if you had babe the pig himself doing this i don't quite see how you could manage it um but that's kind of neither here nor there because it's just very entertaining to watch um so you have all the sheep of course grouped together to form a giant sheep who then goes galloping across the hill um there's another section where the sheep line up to form a game of um I can't think what it's called. The very first computer games that came out and you had a vertical bar at either end of the screen and a sort of uh, a, a ping pong ball that would bounce back and forth. And it was a bit like sort of te table tennis or something. You were supposed to move your bar up and down. That was the only way you could move. It was just, you know, vertically um, with a very basic joystick and just move this bar up and down to hit the ball back to your opponent on the other side. So they've done that only with sheep moving the bar and being the ball across the net and, and all of that. It's very funny sort of take on a what sort of early 1980s computer game. They then move on to uh, capturing still images of the sheep in a pen and the sheep have different coloured LED lights on them this time and they keep rearranging them and keep taking pictures so that eventually they supposedly build up a sort of photo montage which transforms into a replica of the Mona Lisa and that's probably the point where they lose me slightly um it's it's funny but you, I, I, I can't believe that that's real for a start the number of pictures they would have to take and I just don't trust sheep to stay where they're meant to stay however many dogs you have around so that I'm a bit more suspect of um 
And then as the grand finale, they put all the sheep together and uh, they then have a sheepdog charging in to scatter the sheep, still at night with their LED lights on, so that as the sheep scatter, um, it looks like fireworks, basically. Um, and again, there's a couple of shots where you think, no, that probably is, you know, you can see how obviously sheep would scatter in all directions and they've got lights on them, so it looks a bit like a firework. Um, but there's another one where it turns, it's more of a sort of Catherine wheel. And at, at that point, again, I'm just not entirely sure that you could get sheep to move in quite such precise fashion. Um, but uh, it's a lot of fun either way. But all of this is combined with other footage. Um, you know, all these real sheep with the LED lights on their back charging through the farmyard and being directed towards the hillside and things. Um, but, they, you know, they, they did, did an awful lot of filming, you know, a lot of it at night. And um, you just think these are guys with a lot of time on their hands. You know, clearly not a lot of activity to do in the Welsh countryside, um, at least not late at night. And um, you can just imagine them all sitting around the pub going, hey, guys, I've got an idea. Um, so I'm not quite sure what the origins of it are. It has to be said, there's also some link at the, at the end of the video and on the, the YouTube page is a link about Samsung LED TVs. So it's probably some sort of, um, you know, the usual advertising of some sort. But as I say, it's kind of neither here nor there. I think there's a lot of comments on YouTube of people complaining that, oh, it's a setup or it's an advert or they're just, you know, it's all bollocks. But um, I think it's just, it's a fun thing to do. You know, stuff you can do with sheep that obviously nobody had thought of before. So anybody who thinks that sheep are a bit boring or knitting's a bit boring, um, you can point them at this. And uh, a lot of fun it is too. And if the Welshman's antics have inspired you to um, try some extreme sheep herding yourself, um, you can do so from the comfort of your own home. Um, if you go to uh, www.sheepgame.co.uk, um, you can then use your mouse as a, a sheepdog to herd some sheep into the pen. It's just a very silly computer game, but quite entertaining. Um, so if you want to try your hand at sheep herding, go there, give it a go. Um, if, on the other hand, you're more interested in real sheep, then um, you can go to the suitably named www.sheep.com where you can adopt your very own sheep from farmers who I think actually a lot of them are in Wales. As you would expect from the name, it's a pretty comprehensive site when it comes to sheep. Um, so lots of things to find out there, but it is largely based on, on real sheep and there's some very cute photos of lambs you can adopt and, and uh, all that sort of thing. So um, yes, if you're into the sheep herding, there are places you can go even if you can't get your hands on a, a suitable Welsh hill. That's it for this week. Uh, I think that's probably all my internet connection can cope with. It's going to take a while to load it up as it is, so I don't do any more for now. Um, but thank you very much for listening. As ever, please do email me either through the blog or at hoxtonhandmade at gmail.com. Um, let me know of any suggestions, anything online you think I'm missing, any comments or feedback on what I've done so far. I would love to hear from you. And uh, happy knitting. Music